Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network.
Kicking things off today on the Campfire Cafe is Mary Kay with her title cut from her soon-to-be-released CD, Frontier. Pre-packaged sales are available right now on her website at mary-k.com. From Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our always exciting co-host, Miss Bobby Jean Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary, and good morning to all our listeners. I'm so excited. People are already coming on to my Facebook page, and they're saying good morning. I think people are looking forward to our guest, Paula, and yodeling today. <laughs> well, they should, because we're going to have a great time talking with Paula Erlene Williamson. And uh, then in the second hour of the show, we're going to be visiting with Miss Nancy Pitchford on Saddle Up America, and we'll be talking about her Blue Star Ranch and learn about their equine therapy program for veterans with PTSD. But, Bobby, we're having a heat wave back here in Nashville. It's already 90 with a heat index of 100 degrees. How's your weather out in Albuquerque? Well, you know, it's just the same. You know, it's summer in in Arizona. It's summer in New Mexico, so um, it's hot. (laughs) It's probably summer in Arizona, too, Bobby. Yeah, we're at 82 right now, but we're going to go to a high of I don't know, close to 100. Um it's a it's it's a, actually this is a this is cool, cooler for us. We've been running uh high high temps the last several days. But you know, it's well, nice inside where the air conditioning is. So. <laughs> well, that's where I am right now, but uh, we'll be out later today and and this Hot weather with the heat index as high as it is is pretty tough on us boys in the south. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll survive, and before you know it, we'll be rolling into fall. It's been a really quick year, hasn't it? It sure has. It sure has. Yep. Yep. Well, again, we're excited to have Paula joining us on the show today. We've got some great music from her that we're going to listen to. We're going to have a big time talking with her. And then again with Nancy Pitchford on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's listen to a great song from Paula. It's called Cowboy Sweetheart. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Paula Erlene Williamson on the Campfire Cafe. I wanna ride old Texas, go and run. I wanna. 
moving along, but <laughs> welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard what a fantastic rendition, Cowboy Sweetheart, performed by Paula Erlene Williamson. Joining us today for the first time is Paula Erlene, and let me tell you something about this effervescent, multi-talented performer. She could easily be considered, as you heard, the queen of female yodelers, as Paula Erlene is a six-time national yodeling champion and recent international champion yodeler representing America to South Korea. No stranger to the world of acting, she performs in commercials and on stage and is a tribute artist performing as both Patsy Cline and Patsy Montana. Paula's husband, Ermal Williamson, is a John Wayne body double, and together they star in the John Wayne and Paula Erlene show, entertaining audiences with Ermal telling in first person the story of John Wayne's life in the movies, and Paula singing Western music ending with songs of Patsy Cline. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, a performer who has been described as America's yodeling sweetheart, the icing on the cake, and when she performs as Patsy Montana, she'll yodel your socks off. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Paula Erlene Williamson. Hey, so glad to have you with us, Paula. Hey, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's fun to be here. <laughs> Great to have you with us. When, when, did, when did you start yodeling, Paula? <laughs> well, I actually started way before I can remember. Uh, my mom swears up and down that I started yodeling it, too, but... I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but I do well, remember learning uh, to flip my glottal, as they say, way back, you know, years ago. So who knows? Yeah. You know. When, yeah. Did you, when did you first start performing? Uh, well, my daddy was a Baptist preacher. So, you know, as early as I can remember, you know, I sang in church all my life. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. I, I had to hunt back. When did I first start? You know, my earliest memory is singing at church. And I know my mom always teases me because uh, there used to be a very political song. Of course, I was a kid and didn't know what that meant at all. And she said one day she had a group of, of ladies from the church and they were doing a Bible study or something. And I went running through the house playing. And she said, stop and sing for the ladies. And I sang, poor little Robin, walk into Missouri. And I thought it meant a bird, you know. <laughs> and it was about President Woodrow Wilson or something. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. That is too funny. So one of so my w- first, w- and she said, well, I think we'll have to figure out something else to sing at church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where, where is home for you? Where are you from originally? I'm I'm not from anywhere originally. Like I say, my daddy was a Baptist preacher, so I just claimed the Ozarks of Missouri as home and really don't have a hometown. Uh, We moved every two or three years all through my childhood. So I've, I've had more addresses than I am years old and thank God, (laughs) you know, when I finally married and and moved away from home, you know, it stopped at least some. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. So where do you call home now? Well, right now our, our home is, is in Mesa, Arizona, but I'm right now in in uh, Branson, Missouri. I'm back here in Branson, and we lived in Branson. Most of my most of my growing up years has been around Branson. 
And so I, I grew up in Branson, but Branson, as you know, is very country music. And right. I thought by going out west, I would take, you know, John Wayne and I decided to go out west where the cowboys still are. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure any of them out there even know who John Wayne is anymore. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to find some people that know John Wayne today, as amazing as that might be. But um, I heard by way of the grapevine, you've got an exciting project going on out there in Branson. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, there was a special, uh, Ken Burns did a a special on PBS about the history of country music. And so we were asked by a local uh, television station up in Chapman, Kansas, to come to Branson, Missouri, and do an article, a video article, of the history of country music in Branson, Missouri. And so I thought, well, you know, I grew up around the area. I knew all of the old timers. And unfortunately, you know, with COVID-19, it's, it's been really, really hard because most of the pioneers of this, you know, here in Branson, they're in their 80s and, you know, upper 70s. And they don't want to be right. interviewed right now because of the COVID thing. But I did right. have I, – I was really blessed because um, we interviewed a 103-year-old uh, fiddle player yesterday oh, wow. or two, two days wow. ago and she was just just you know just had so much fun interviewing her <laughs> she said she's a fiddle maker and she said uh you know and i said so one of her daughters says tell them about the 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 rattlesnake uh tail in your fiddle and she said i made this fiddle myself when i was 16 years old and she said my daddy always told me that the fiddle is the devil's instrument so I had to put a rattlesnake tail in there to chase out the devil, and now it's mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. What a great story. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, it just would have to be a treat to speak with somebody that was 103 years old and listen yeah. to their stories and let them share that with you as well. So anybody else that you've interviewed so far that are that are noteworthy? Well, uh, most of them would only be known here in Branson. Um, I, I've interviewed several, several stars from Branson, but okay. you might not know Doug Gabriel, but but he's a Branson star. Uh, of course, the Presleys and the Mabe are, are local family names, and they're on their fifth generation, I believe, at both theaters. And wow. so, you know, it's a it's a local name that is well known here. Uh, if you if you know the ball knobbers, and see, a lot of people don't even know what a ball knobber is, yeah. but uh, that's an old vigilante group, and they, it, you know, it's a, it's a historical thing. And my husband just wrote the story, the no, three novels set of the story of Harold Bell Wright, his life story. And in that, he wrote Shepherd of the Hills, which is about Ozarks, and it right. writes about the ball knobbers. Well, the ball knobbers was one of the, uh, was, they actually played the ball knobbers at Shepherd of the Hills, which is an outdoor drama, and it's still going on today. Uh, but they were the original ball numbers, and they took that, and that became their, the name of their music group. And so wow. there is, a, and resulting in that, one of the earliest music groups here in Branson is called the Ball Numbers. So, wow. just, you know, all kinds of history. <laughs> there is a lot of history. There is a lot of history in Branson, and so that's pretty exciting. So when will the uh, when will the documentary be ready? Well, we've got uh, I I. I was ble- very, very blessed. Last week, 
uh, you know, I had so many people turn me down, you know, most of these older folks turn me down for the interviews. And it's like, gosh, I just don't know what I'm going to do because of this COVID-19. And I thought, right. man, this could take all the blessed summer because, you know, I'm <laughs> just not getting very far fast. And I decided to start backwards and do the younger people and get that done and then go to the older people. But, you know, I, most of them, I mean, they're they're upper. They're not 103, but but they're in bad health. And so, you know, you hate to bug anybody. But anyway, this guy who had written one of our books, uh, The Pioneer Music History of Branson, uh, we he agreed to meet with us. And I told him about our project before we met. And he came, bless his heart, he said, you know, you are so lucky you called the day you did because this stuff was all sitting in a trash can ready to be taken out. He said, I didn't think anybody wanted it anymore. And he brought me all the interviews that he had done 20 years ago, and he had videotaped them when he was getting ready to write his book. And and so now we turned that around, and we're going to use most of those videos in the production. So he just, you know, like I say, God was just total, totally handed me that project. And it's like, oh, my gosh, half of this project is now done because of those, you know, those video files. So oh, that's great. Like, yeah, it was just miraculous. But anyway. <laughs> wow, that is fantastic. So it, well, it should be. I've got another week to keep going. And they also, in, in the production that was on PBS, they passed in musical instrument, and it would turn from a, a fiddle to a mandolin or to a guitar or to something else. Right. And, right. and they said not to duplicate what they did. They wanted a fiddle through all of this. So I kicked it off with this 103-year-old lady that we just interviewed. And so she picked it up out of the case, and that's going to be our beginning. And she starts playing. And wow. after she was done, she hands it off to her her namesake uh. great granddaughter, who is standing beside her. And so at the very end of the whole thing, with all the history, we're gonna you know pass the instruments all throughout the credits and everything. And then at the very end, it's gonna go to a small child. And like I said, I told the kid, I said, I don't care if you can just go squeak, squeak, squeak. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's got to go. The fiddle's got to go to the next generation. You know. <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, will that be shown locally? It's going through Chapman, Kansas, and they cover at least four states. And they said, you know, depending on how well it's received and and everything, it could easily be bought up by or sent out to other radio stations and and different, or not radio, but TV TV. stations. Yeah. So I guess that's how they pass all those things along. So you never know. Well, and like that I said, is it, it's really weird that we got involved in this because when they first approached us, I thought we were going to be writing a book. My husband is an author, and I know a lot of the history in Branson. So I thought, okay, we could do a book, you know. And no, it was a video. It's like, I know nothing about technology. <laughs> 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 so, so it's been a very big challenge for me. But anyway, but we're 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 getting through it, and we've got about six interviews left, and four of them are already on the calendar. Oh, so that's great. Here we go. That is great. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll put that out on DVD so the rest of the country can see it as well. So that's that's something I, I, I think, think we all will. would enjoy. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, I want to get to another song real quickly, and this is one called Whisper. So let's take a listen to that, and we'll come back and talk with a very interesting 
Miss Pauline, or Paula, excuse me, not Paula, Paula, Paula. I was reading Paula Erlene. Paula, mm-hmm. in just a minute, on the Campfire Cafe. Every cowboy knows when you're working with cattle, when you're breaking bronze, be ready for battle. But when it comes down to that favorite horse you're gonna ride down to the end, it's virgin.
last year at the International Western Music right. Association um, gathering, um, met you and also met a yodeler from, where is Peter from? Is it South Korea? South Korea. Uh-huh. South Korea. Um, yes. And that was just so very fun. Why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that competition that you uh, went to in South Korea and maybe a little bit about the upcoming What's the? Tr- I'm going to have you give me the actual title for the Yodel Day that happens in August because it has a specific oh. name. <laughs> right. Yes. That's World Yodel Day. And yeah, World, World Yodel. Yodel Day, yeah, that's what Peter Lim has started. And he actually came, he, he loves to travel to different places and find yodelers all over the world. And then we all, he, he loves to email with all of us. And we send him a blog once a year and yodel onto it and i had forgotten my shirt so i had to have my daughter mail me my shirt so i could do that (laughs) (laughs) and so anyway and so she so we send that to him and then on august 8th is world yodel day and so he plays it and i know when i first started it it lasted like oh just you know a few minutes and now it's like up to almost 20 minutes i think for all different all around the world you know so it's it's quite a little you know little blog so that's from all the different i mean he he knows yodelers from literally every continent every you know every country it's amazing how you know and it might not be exactly yodeling like we think of yodeling it's just a different Mm -hmm. sound that's similar and so it's it's amazing how it's migrated and changed and kind of rolled a different round (laughs) What was that competition like that you that you were involved in? Well, it actually wasn't a competition. That was a World Yodel Festival, and they oh, okay. had it in Gokong, South Korea. Uh, this past year, it was supposed to be in Vietnam, and several of them went there. But their October is or August is different than ours. Uh, theirs, you know, uh, our months are are different. Um, so they actually celebrate World Yodel Day in Korea in April. And um, so anyway, they were supposed to go to Vietnam, and they invited me to go to Vietnam. And I, and, and I thought, well, that's just a little too far back in the woods for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, I don't know. And so I'm still recovering from, from you know, I, I had never traveled internationally before in my life. And so we went to South Korea and uh, he said, were you afraid to come? And I thought, well, no, you can die anywhere, you know. <laughs> and, and so I thought, you know, I, I you know, wasn't afraid. But uh, I said, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. And he tries to promote world peace through yodeling because, you know, we're all speaking the same language. I mean, nobody really understands yodeling. We just all can appreciate it. <laughs> right. So yeah. It, yeah. 
it was just really neat because they had an Australian yodeler there. They had a Japanese yodeler there the year I went. And uh, it seemed like one other country. But anyway, they were all there, and we all yodeled in different, you know. And it was just, you know, everybody just brings their best. And they have over mm-hmm. 2,000 yodelers in South Korea. And wow. they have 12 clubs. And you go there and you learn to yodel, and there's all kind, all ages. I mean, most of it's kids, but it's a lot of yodeling. And uh, he said, how many, you know, because he was thinking, you know, South Korea is a very small country. And he said, so how many yodeling clubs are in the United States? And I said, none that I know of. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that's like, you know, it's it's not very popular here in the United States, you know, so. But it's probably much more popular in South Korea than than anywhere else. <laughs> That's Amazing. So interesting. I know. I know. Gary has. Um, Gary, do you plan to do? Uh, don't know a thing about Texas next. Let's do. Don't know a thing about Texas next. <laughs> and when we come back, Paula. we'll talk more with Paula on the Campfire Cafe. Makes me fall for a cowboy every time. I don't know a thing about Texas. I don't know a thing about the West. I don't know a thing about the cows and their kind, but I fall for a cowboy every time. Because you can yodel sad and you can yodel happy, but you can't yodel mad. <laughs> uh, you have a second CD. Uh, well, you have a oh my gosh, there's a you've got a wonderful discography. Today, our set list is pretty much covering two of them: Across the Brazos and uh, Forever in the West. 
Um, the first the three that we did were from across the Brazos. Forever in the West is the is I, the next um, CD Gary has 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 chosen, um, and I see that on that CD a lot of the music is original. Um, mm-hmm. You want to share a little bit maybe about your songwriting process? How do you uh, when the song when you get an idea? How do you capture it? Think about people maybe that are struggling songwriters out there. You want to give us a little some little hints for the songwriters listening. Okay. Well, the whisper that you played a while ago, um, it mostly I like catchphrases. You know, that helps me. You know, I explain how that hits me. Uh, whisper, I said, you know, that was, I wrote that back when it was very, very popular about, oh, 20 some years ago. It was very, very popular for all the cowboys to whisper to their horses. And I thought, now, how is it that a guy can yell it and scream it at, at his cowgirl, but he can't, he can whisper to his horse. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know, that's, that's what brought that one on. And then the one we just did, Irma and I were take, were, were booked to go down to Texas. One of the first trips we ta- had, you know, the, away from our theater. And so we went down to South Texas and he said, you know, any Texas songs, you know, the yellow rose of Texas or, and I said, well, I've heard of them, but he said, well, just write one. And I thought, now what do I am I going to do about say about Texas? You know, I mean, I've I've lived there a couple of years, but but uh, you know, I don't know much about Texas, so I just put it in the song. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, and at least well, I can yodel, you know. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. And and Texas seems to be a, a you know a hot topic um for djs and and audiences and you know there's just a thing about texas so probably good yeah. to have an arsenal of texas themed songs in your you know your playlist <laughs> yeah. right well it's kind of like with forever in the west you know i wrote that and that was probably the deepest i, I you know that's probably as deep as i get but it's it's really got a two-part you know message because you know it's it covers the centuries of you know of of a family generate different generations and how our different perceptions of the West, because when my ancestors came here seven generations or eight generations ago, you know, this whole continent was considered the West. And for some reason, we don't consider the whole thing West anymore. You know, if you go to New York, you're going East. And right. if, and yet was, mm-hmm. it's still we're still living in the west the same as if we, if i go to south korea we're in the east you know the whole blessed time and mm-hmm. so you know throughout the generations you know like by the 1900s everything west of the mississippi was considered the west and you know now or that was the 1800s and now by the 1900s you know it's or 2000s you know if if you know Texas is included, but, you know, you really almost have to go up along the coast in order to consider yourself in the West. You know, so right. like, when did all that change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so In fact, um, kind of the, the, the song, Gonna Find Myself in the West, from Forever in the West CD, is the next one Gary has queued up and ready to go. Gary, shall we just go ahead to that? <laughs> Let's do that, and when we come back, I want to find out how you yodel. That, that's curiosity <laughs> to me. But let's take a listen. You're going to find myself in the West. We'll be back in just a moment.
find myself in the West, Pauline Ear- Paula, I don't know why I keep saying that, Paula Erlene Williamson <laughs> is our very special guest today on the Campfire Cafe. And so a question that I have for you, Paula, is do you have any hints for our would-be yodelers out there? <laughs> well, I always say just keep practicing uh, sounding bad until you start sounding good because <laughs> it just takes an awful lot of practice you know getting it I started I don't remember starting to go to like I told you but when I was about oh 10 or 11 years old something like that my daddy pastored a church way back in the boonies of Arkansas and I mean you'd think in the center of the country you wonder how in the world you can be so back far in the sticks. <laughs> right. <laughs> they used right. to tease us that our that the sunset between our house and town, and it probably literally did. Um, we were so far back we could hardly get radio. I mean, it had to be a clear day before we could even get a radio, and uh-huh. so we didn't have TV, and there was really almost no entertainment at all. So I, my mom had an old old record collection that she had had cherished for years, and and I started in with all the yodeling, and I just thought, well, by golly, I can yodel as good as them, and I just kept, and I had, I don't remember Elton Britt so much. He was on one of them, but I remember uh, Kenny Roberts. I had one of his uh, old yodeling albums, and I had Patsy Montana, and so between yeah. the two of them, I, you know, just kept yodeling and yodeling and yodeling, and then my mom would yodel with me sometimes, and I just kept yodeling faster and faster so she couldn't keep up. (laughs) And and you know how mean sometimes we can be? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really. So anyway, Uh, and I just kept yodeling, and, and, you know, then I decided, you know, it's it's a very boring thing to just yodel as, you know, most yodeling gets kind of boring. And so I started putting in as many patterns and many different kinds of yodeling as I could ever put in one one spot, you know. And so I always try to, inter, you know, put as much in there as I can, <laughs> make it sound well, more do, interesting. <laughs> you do a good job with it. I'm telling you, I'm enjoying this yodeling. We don't have enough of that on the show, but uh, it's pretty well, cool. Well, there's not enough yodeling, and I, I don't know how many times people have put, you know, have put yodeling down, and I think, well, you just don't understand. But, you know, I've heard some people that yodeled. We had a yodeling festival once years ago, and there, there's, you know, you can yodel bad, but, you know, I kept thinking, gee, you know, if it, it when you flip your glottal, you're going, you know, it's like a toggle, you know, you're, you're going up and back. And so if you know anything about music, you know, your chords are on thirds, you know, a, a third and a fifth uh, right. of your fret. And so if you pay attention to where you land and land in, you know, in a pitch that, that goes with that, you know, it's a harmony note, then you d- it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> and then you learn to get the rhythm right, you know, and, and you know, so yodel on pitch for heaven's sake. <laughs> yodel on pitch. You must have tremendous breath control. Also. Well, and, you know, it's funny because when I went to, I think it's uh, in nor- northern Arizona because it, you know, it's higher altitude. And so uh-huh. every now and then I would go up there and I would think, gosh, I just, I just can't get my breath. What is the deal? And it really bothered me for a long time. But 
But I realized, you know, I even purchased, you know, uh, my dad had a heart attack years ago, and he gave, they gave him this little breast machine. And I uh-huh. remembered him having one of those. And I finally wrote off and got one of those, and I thought, you know, I've got to learn, you know. And so I, I worked on that just really seriously because if you go up to higher altitudes or lower, you know, we, we had some shows booked in Colorado, and that's a higher altitude. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, I would just find myself, it's like, gosh, you know, why can't I breathe right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I noticed that if I ever get nervous on stage, I really don't get nervous anymore, but I'll get short of breath. And so it's like I just have to stand there and go breathe in real deep, you know, two or three breaths breath. before I go on stage. And then I'm usually, you know, I'll usually have a handle on it when I go out there. But <laughs> And that also helps with your pitch, too. A lot of people don't realize that. But, you know, if you have your breaths, then, then you hit the pitch better. But I usually go sharp if I, I – I almost never go flat. But I, but I know when I'm recording, uh, I'll, I'll sharp quite a bit. And I'll have to, I've even had to change – which note I'm saying instead of ending on an E, I'll have to end on an A so that it isn't flat, isn't sharp. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! And another thing I wanted to say real quick is I've been approached. Uh, you know, I've, several people have asked me before to do yodeling classes and to teach mm-hmm. yodeling. And this fall, when I go back to Arizona, a lady who's actually in classical music has been trained in opera approached me last year she does voice lessons and she said i would love for you to come and teach my students how to to do yodeling and i said golly i said you know you have more knowledge than i do she said i'd rather learn from an expert than learn with knowledge wow (laughs) so anyway so i'm supposed to be starting this fall with our first yodeling classes so I will I will post something about that when that all starts coming to be. But it, she's already very serious about it and has already approached me with, you know, how the contract is going to read and all that kind of stuff and how much they're going to pay me for doing it. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll end up. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Yeah. So if you want you to may have a yodel. You may have yeah. a new yodeling contest out there. You can never tell. <laughs> well, and that would yeah. be awesome because, you know, most of the yodeling contests, yeah, I've actually won eight of them. I noticed you said six, but I've actually won eight of them. But a lot of them are, don't even exist anymore because, you know, Patsy Montana, uh, I'm the last. I said, I guess that means I'm the current champion because they, they quit after the 13th year, and I'm the wow. 13th winner. <laughs> wow. Uh, there you so go. I had competed in that twice, and I got the silver medal the first time, and the and the uh, I won it uh, the first um winner winner uh in the second time and the last time that they ever had the contest and so then it's defunct and it's like gosh it's a shame because you know uh there's just no yodeling contest hardly out there i mean the wma is the only one i know that still puts on a yodeling contest and Mm -hmm. i know last year when peter Jim came you know they really had to to pull people out to try to get them to enter that because I know people probably think that the same people win every year, but it really isn't that way at all. Um, it's just that they don't have enough people competing anymore. Yeah. So, and it was so entertaining. It was. It, so, was. it was very. It was oh. so entertaining. Yeah. I really wanted to start a new thing with with them, but but I don't. I I think I'm more, more chaotic in my thinking. You know, I'm a yodeler, so you know, <laughs> maybe I think that way too. <laughs> but I was really wanting to do like you know. In the Patsy Montana contest, when we did that, there were all kinds of 
she did what they call a 15-minute band. And everybody there who played an instrument, was, they were not allowed to say no. But you had to, in 15 minutes, run and, and put your band together and be on stage in 15 minutes, and you had to give a 15- to 20-minute performance. And you wow. were I mean, that was just part of the contest. And she said, young musicians need to know how to fill in on the stage in the spur of a moment because things happen when you're on stage. And, you know, somebody doesn't, you know, the next group may not show up, and you've got to cover that. And it was really, really good. And they don't teach that anywhere. So I thought, you know, that would be fun to do with yodeling, you know, like give everybody uh, a name and a number and pair people up and and see how well they sound together. But I I ran that past a couple of other yodelers in the the WMA, and they they thought that was too chaotic. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, I guess a lot of people like to to look very professional when they're doing things, and unfortunately yodeling doesn't lend it to that. Well, we'll they have to put in me, a word. So, what? Yeah, what do you do when you when you forget the lyrics? And I said, well, that's easy for me. I just yodel, you know. If I forget. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh! Another great song we want to get to right quick is one called "Ragtime Cowboy Joe." Let's take a listen to that, and we'll be back in just a moment. One more time. I do 
I'm out of breath after that. I'm absolutely out of breath <laughs> that, after that. That wasn't Ragtime Cowboy Joe. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I must have loaded the wrong song. But I loved it. I loved it anyway. Right. That was great. That was great. I should make that kind of mistake more often. But anyway. Oh, that's right. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, I know folks are going to want to find out uh, exactly where they can get your music and your yodeling and uh, where you're going to be after you leave Branson. So tell us how they can do all of that. Well, you go to uh, ermalandpaula.com, or you can just uh, go paulayodelady.com. They all go to the same website, uh, or ermal.com, either one of them, if just as long as you know how to spell yodel. <laughs> I didn't realize when I did that. <laughs> Nobody knows how to spell yodel. But it's Y-O-D-E-L-L-A-D-Y dot com. Two L's. Okay. All right. Well, you have been so and much we'll stinking. Probably be being back in Arizona soon. So. So do you have a do you have a theater down there that you perform at regularly or what? No, we perform nowhere regularly, you know, except in the in the house to the dogs. But you know, okay, uh, we are looking. We're really uh, we've got a couple of ideas rolling around in our marbles. So so we'll see what happens, and <laughs> see what happens. But um, but if well, anybody would like have... to contact us with an idea, we we'd welcome it. <laughs> yeah, good ideas are hard to find sometimes. But uh, anyway, you've been you've been so much fun, so entertaining today, oh, and so I know much. everybody has enjoyed all of this yodeling. So you probably we probably have <laughs> listeners out there around the world that are going to decide they want to try that. But yeah, I want to be right. I want to be in another room when they do. But uh, <laughs> anyway, well, you have been absolutely great. We've loved having you on the show, and uh, we'll have to have you come back again and do a little more yodeling for us. Would love to do that. Would love to do that. And I wanted to tell, say, this last song that you're fixing to play is supposed to be Ghost Yodelers in the Sky. And I hope people will listen to that because I've had so many people laugh at the idea <laughs> of changing Ghost Riders in the Sky because that was so many people's favorite song. And I made a yodeling song out of it. And I just, it was really a work of art or a work of heart, as you know, if you want to say it that way. But right. it, it was quite intricate, and I could never perform it live because I can't do all the parts at, at different, at, you know, at the same time. <laughs> like you can when you record it. But, but I, I hope people will like it because, you know, like I say, it was really a, a, a different kind of twist on the story. <laughs> well, I hope I put the right song in with this time too. So, but anyway, you have you have been absolutely great, and we're oh, going to close that. This segment of the show with Ghost Yodelers. Please come back and be with us again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. <laughs>
America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with Nancy Pitchford, the founder of Blue Star Ranch. We'll be right back.
funny how your fate can change in just one day. No matter who you are, life is better when you share the Legacy Radio Network. We just heard the title track to the CD, Who Saved Who? by Mary Ann Kennedy. Well, we're so happy that you're joining us today. I have been looking forward to visiting with our guest, Nancy Z, for a long time. Our friendship began in 2009 when my husband Jim and I were invited to be guests on her radio show, Around the Barn, heard on Santa Clarita, California's hometown station, KHTS. It was just our second radio interview, and we were nervous yet excited. Nancy set us at ease, and before we knew it, our interview was over. Well, not really. Shortly thereafter, she invited me to co-host the show with her, and we rode the airwaves together for five years. Born with manure in her veins, Nancy Pitchford Z has had a lifelong love affair with horses. She has a gift for creating equine therapy programs for children and adults facing various life challenges. With her husband, John, at her side, their most recent endeavor brings together horses and soldiers experiencing difficult adjustments as they return home. Founded in 2014, Blue Star Ranch prides itself on being a true therapeutic healing center, meaning they have fun, smile a lot, enjoy the outdoors, and provide an 
amazing transition transition location to help those who need it. The Blue Star Ranch T-shirt says it all. I'm a patriot first. We're all one unheard. To share the Blue Star Ranch story, please welcome to Saddle Up America, my dear friend, Nancy Z. Welcome, Nancy. Hey, Bobby Jean. Oh, I'm having a flashback, girl. There's a voice hey, I know and love. How are you? Hi, Gary. And How are you doing? Guests. Oh, I'm great. And I tell you, you guys just got me in such a happy mood with the, the yodeling lady um, just before me. <laughs> I mean, she was great, so I'm definitely visiting her website. <laughs> good deal, good deal. Well, she was a lot of fun. But I'm oh, curious, yeah. I'm curious, Nancy, how did you begin to work with uh, our veterans with PTSD? How did that all begin for you? Well, I had um, done equine therapy for about 27 years with uh, disabled children and um, developmentally delayed adults and um, just about every kind of condition or illness you can imagine. And I thought it was kind of going to be retiring. And then uh, Habitat for Humanity, as they were then known, I believe now they're called uh, Homes for Heroes, uh, was building a veterans village in our, in our um, valley. And uh, anyways, through those folks and, and uh, our radio station owners out here, Carl and Jerry, um, through doing uh, around the ranch, they asked me if I could uh, form a program for veterans. And uh, having, I had recently married my husband, John, who's a Vietnam veteran, and uh-huh. uh, about it and said, you know what, that'd be great, but I would like to do it for mental health, not physical health, but for mental health for our veterans with PTSD right. because the need is so great. So that's kind of how a guy committed to it, and then off we went, and uh, here we are <laughs> once again. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, that's fantastic. You know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide, and uh, yep. and their mental health is an important part of healing, uh, not only for them but for their families as well. But uh, exactly. how does your program how does your program work? Well, we provide our services free to the veterans and their families. Um, it includes spouses and children, uh, depending great. on what's applicable for that family, you know, where they're at. Uh, we work with the veteran first, of course, to get them stabilized and hopefully, you know, get them to a better place. And then we work with the whole family also. So we... Um, work, uh, we do what we call uh, the EGALA method. EGALA is an international organization who has over 4,000 members in like uh, 46 countries, 47 countries. And um, they train equine, uh, they make uh, mental health specialists that are already licensed, but they train them in the EGALA method with horses. And of course, most of our mental health specialists are um, horse people to start with so it kind of fits in great all the way around uh, yeah we work with a team we work with a team of three which is the equine specialist the uh, mental health specialist and the horse or horses with the veteran one-on-one we work on the ground they do not ride the horses riding the horses is really great for physical uh disabilities and you know uh physical exercise to the body 
and of course it's, it's, it could be a happy time, you know, and relaxation and all that is involved. But with um, EGALA, our goal is to get results with emotional problems. And traditionally, our veterans do not do well in a environment with a locked up in a room with a mental health specialist. Uh, right. It just, you know, doesn't work for them. And being outside with nature and with the horses, and it's where it's very tranquil, peace and quiet. And the horses are the best therapists in the world. They are truly the key element to our success because they read our emotions. They can read our emotions and they will let you know what they're thinking. They'll let you know what they think you're thinking. And we never approach a veteran or say, well, what about this? Or what about your childhood? Or what about, you know, (laughs) right? Um, everything is done with props. We use props and um, uh, imaging and uh, the horses to let things surface in a more natural manner. Um, For example, uh, one of our our veterans who's nearing graduation right now um, had uh, one of our horses was um, reaching for some leaves that were trees that were hanging over uh, the arena where we work to get a leaf, Uh of course. And when our veteran saw that, it triggered an emotion in him. And he says, oh, it reminds me of a camel doing that. And that led to a whole incident that he had buried, you know, that had been a cause of concern for him. And yeah. it, floated to, it floated to the surface without any anxiety and therefore was able to be addressed and, and gone over. So that's, that's the way it works. And the horses are the key element, like I say, to everything. Well, I know that for myself, when I've had a stressful day, it sure relaxes me to get out and just groom and 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 fool with my horses. I don't even have to get on. Just no, just exactly. groom them, and in just a few minutes, I just forget about all the stress that I've had in my life, and it is so relaxing. And I'm sure it's the same way with the veterans. How successful! Uh, is the program with these veterans? Well, we work on, uh, when they first come in and enroll in the program, we chart them in six different categories. Those categories are anger, anxiety, uh, sleeplessness, nightmares, coping skills, and communication skills. And we actually draw a bar chart, you know, as to where they think they're at. And um, then we provide 10 weeks. Uh, once a week for 10 weeks of uh, program uh, sessions. And they usually, most of them graduate after 10 weeks. Uh, some take a little longer. Some, you know, it's an ongoing process. We are also now just beginning to be able to start up for all of our graduates that go through the program. We are having like twice a month um, group sessions just okay. to keep everybody together and connected and knowing that, you know, it's like, okay, it's not like, well, here you're done and throw you out the door, you know. They right. need they need those those support systems of each other. They need to hang out with each other, and they need to work together. So it's just a way of giving them, you know, keeping them on that release schedule also and, you know, giving them a place to unwind and to, to you know, they know when they set foot on the ranch, they just kind of can do a meltdown. Um, 
so it's it's uh, you know after ten weeks we chart them again, and our results have shown that in ten weeks the the uh, the ratings on their chart drop from about drop about thirty five to forty five percent in just wow. ten weeks on wow. anger anxiety issues and you know. Uh, the other issues that are listed. So we're very pleased with the results so far, and we know, you know, that that can even get better um, as we go along. We are restricted only about how many veterans we can help by our income, of course, by our fundraising. And right Uh now with COVID-19, it's been kind of rough with COVID-19 because so many of our fundraisers have been canceled. So, uh, you know, and providing the services free, we, we're an all-volunteer organization, basically. The only ones who do get uh, paid are the medical team. Um, everything else is a volunteer uh, system. And um, so right now, you know, we're just we're working hard on trying to re- reinvent the wheel in the fundraising department. <laughs> and uh, thanks, thanks to Bobby Jean and Out West, we're, you know, we have uh, she has started a wonderful, a wonderful uh, fundraiser for us this month, so that's been very exciting. Well, she's pretty good that at that kind of thing, been. so I I hope that that <laughs> yeah. helps a lot. But um, you know, the veterans do have challenges, and uh, and those of us who have never served, um, I was part of that Vietnam veteran era, but fortunately, mm-hmm. I guess fortunately. Well, it is fortunate. I didn't. I never had to serve. And um, mm-hmm. we've got a song that we're going to get to right now by R.W. Hampton. It's one called oh, okay. "Hell in a Helmet," and it's one that I kind of think explains what these servicemen go through. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Nancy Pitchford, the founder of Blue Star Ranch on Saddle Up America. That transport chopper's loading up to take us to the plane Me and my boys are good as gone After seven months of living here and dying side by side What's left of us is finally going home Mom and dad are waiting, big sis and brothers too And I know what they'll expect to find I don't want to disappoint them But we just did our job The heroes are the boys we left behind We're hell in a helmet And they call us justly so We're fighting sons of freedom all the way Put our faith in heaven and the ones that watch our backs Devil dogs till our dying day Marines till our dying day I tried hard to tell them It's not me that's coming home At least not the me they used to know and there's no way of explaining how I hate this dirty place 
can you talk a, a bit about about your horses and and such? Oh, absolutely. But I, I'd like to, if if it's okay, make a comment on R.W.'s song first. Absolutely. He he hit a lot of nails right on the head with um, his words and his music. And one of the things that the importance of helping the entire family, because all spouses will tell you that when their loved one comes home, it's not the same person that left. And, you know, we, we take men and women into the military. We put them through boot camp and all this, and we make them soldiers. And, but when it's time for them to come home, nothing is done to reverse that process. So they are now, they truly are a different person. And with experiencing all that they've experienced at war, they are not the same person. But no compensation, nothing, you know, is done to help them reverse back to civilian life. Um, when you heard in his song about covering your back, um, you know, when you're in the military and when you're in combat, your buddies are your family. They are uh-huh. covering your back. And everybody covers everybody's back. When they come home, they are abandoned. There's nobody there to cover their back. So they truly, truly are lost. And uh, RW, if you're listening, you did an awesome job on the song. You really hit all the nails right on the head. Um, the horses, yes, I can talk about my horses forever and a day. <laughs> They, you know, horses, they're just amazing, amazing individuals, and they are all individuals just like we are. And, you know, we have a collection that's really, really a case to behold. We have uh, three horses right now. We have three horses, one mini horse, and a miniature donkey. And they are all fantastic therapy people. Horses, sorry. We'll start with uh, Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper is a little miniature horse that thinks he's the biggest stallion on the planet and has absolutely fearless, no fear of any other. I don't care how big another horse is. It doesn't matter. So people, when I remember when I got my first minis years ago, I was terrified at first to put them out with the big horses. I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, they're so little. Let me tell you. The minis run the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, they have attitude like you wouldn't believe. They are smart. They're intelligent. They're they're just too much fun to behold. And uh, our horses all get to interact and play with each other. They have, you know, playtime. They have, they have the best of everything. We provide the best we can for them. Of course, um, they're all, to me, they're all worth their weight in gold because of their abilities. They... Uh, horses read human emotion. They read us very well. And they will come up during a session or interacting with the class session time. And they are tuned in. They know their jobs. They know what's going on. Uh, in the beginning, when we first started with uh, three horses, uh, the horses weren't sure. Uh, my mental health specialist, her name is Katie, Katie Ryan. 
and she's awesome. But the horses at first didn't understand, like, they thought because they were so used to supporting me and Katie, uh, taking care of us, so to speak, you know, with our good days and bad days, that, <laughs> you know, they didn't realize that this, this new person in, in the session here was the one that we wanted them to target. But they learned that very quickly. They learned it very quickly because they felt all the emotions from that new person. So now they know they will, but they will continue. If Katie or I has a bad day, they'll always come over and give us a nudge and a hug and a, and a smooch, you know, and go, it's okay, ma, you know, we'll get through it, you know. And then it's back to business with our session, you know, with, with, with uh, what we're doing. They're very, very intuitive. They're, they are highly, highly intelligent. And they give unconditional love, just like all animals do. Uh, personality, they each are a different personality. We have Jack, uh, who is, his uh, registered name is um, <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> his, his barn name is Jack. <laughs> and Jack's 22 years old now. He was in uh, the Animal Planet film that we did a few years back, and so he's he's been quite publicized quite a bit. And he's just he's just a character. He's an old he can be an old grumpy man, and he can. Yesterday he was just at his peak with Cooper. Him and Cooper were playing, and it was just hysterical to watch. We would just had a ball just watching them play. Uh, Jack though is very kind-hearted. He understands. He's very in tune to his soldiers and they know just when to give support and they will come over. They will hang their head over the veteran's shoulder. They will nuzzle them. They will, you know, they interact with them in the um, use of the props because we use props to, um, for the soldiers to express themselves with and stuff. So then we have Mariah. Mariah is our only girl. But uh, Bobby Jean, you know Mariah. She's boss Mary. Yes. And um, you know she's <laughs> she's the mama leader of the herd. And everybody thinks that horses in the wild that the stallion's in charge, but that's not quite true. Um, no, it's the not. The stallion is a lookout. Yeah, stallion's the lookout up on the mountain in that. But they follow the boss mare. The boss mare is the one who moves the herd, pasture to pasture. Says, okay, it's time to leave now. We're going to follow me. We're going to better ground. To feed on um, she settles disputes and you know everything so Mariah is definitely boss mare she dropped to the ground when she was born a boss mare she's spoiled brat and uh, but she's incre- <laughs> incredibly protective she's incredibly um, intuitive and she w- reads your mind like you wouldn't believe uh, so everybody all the volunteers and that at the ranch Mariah's the one that, you know, when they graduate to being able to care for Mariah, they know they've made it to the top of the list as a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> because Mariah don't take no baloney off of nobody. <laughs> that's a mayor. Mariah, that's, that's a mayor. Mariah will, yeah, Mariah will tell you when you're doing it wrong. Like, uh, wait a minute, didn't they show you how to do this? You know, like, no, 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 that's not right, you know. <laughs> So she, she's pretty well, you know. She keeps everybody in line, but she keeps all the boys in line, which is good, too. And then we have um, Mariah's little protege, Sammy, who's a miniature donkey. 
he was a rescue case. We rescued Sammy. Sammy is is adorable, loving, uh, just a dear heart. Uh, he was abused. He was not cared for properly. And he is such a love. And you can't help. Everybody falls in love with Sammy. You can't help it. His favorite, our favorite feature is his ears. They're humongous. And he loves to have them petted and stroked and, you know. And uh, so he is a great, he plays with toys. He loves toys. And uh, he's just, he's just a hoot and a holler. He really is. And then we have, um, our final horse is um, uh, Quigley, who's uh, Morgan. Mariah's, Mariah's Mustang. And um, Morgan is, uh, Quigley is Morgan. And Quigley is a love. Quigley has always been kind of low man on the totem pole in his earlier years, you know, within the herds and that. But he is starting to shine really well in this work. And he is just a natural at it. He's doing really great. He was, um, uh, also he was not, um, being the low man on the totem pole in the herd, he was not in the best condition when he came in. But he's now doing well. He's holding his weight. We had to fatten him up a little and he had an eye infection, which we cleared up. And so they get the best of care and they get the best of nutrition and everything that we can provide because they are truly worth their weight in gold. You can't replace them. We can never replace each one. We always have to find, you know, a new one that, that kind of, you know, just has, it, has their like, own spot. Yeah, has their own spot and becomes a perfect fit with us, you know. And um, and we love them all to pieces, and we spoil them rotten, to tell you the truth. Uh, but every day <laughs> they get uh, they get their hay morning and night, and then at lunchtime, after sessions and stuff in the morning, they get lunch, and they get a special blend, and they get what we call equine senior, which is easy to digest because our horses are all, you know, we don't have any babies. And... Um, each one has maybe a few different little medical problems, like uh, Jack now, of course, he's got arthritis and that from his previous life, you know, his earlier years and that. But he's on uh, a medication for that now, doing, you'd never know he had, he had arthritis. Um, Sammy has a digestive problem because he was fed wrong, and uh, but he is now doing well. And um, Quigley was underweight and you know, stuff because he, he would get chased off by the other other dominant horses for food and stuff. So they're all in tip-top shape now. They're all happy. And we like them happy because they love to work and they love their jobs. They love, they love being with us and with the people and with the veterans. It's amazing. That is amazing. And it's amazing the magic that horses work on people uh, in these therapy programs. So kudos to you for that i do want to ask real quickly bobby jane tell us a little bit about what you've got going on i think that's called the hero collection yes um thanks for asking we started here at out west shop uh we launched the concept of the hero collection um back in february actually before we all understood the impact covid would have and each month we we decide on a nonprofit or a charity that that needs to have some support all all 
um, everybody's in the same boat with having to cancel fundraisers and so forth. And so the month of July, um, we worked with Nancy and Blue Star Ranch. So anyone, any purchase that's made through the outwestshop.com hero collection, if you're on the homepage, outwestshop.com, you just scroll down a little bit and you'll see a big, wonderful photograph of a a little dog with a cape and goggles on and an airplane, and that's Champ. He's the mascot for the out the uh, hero collection. He's he's at the ready, ready to jump in that plane with the final donation for the month and also delivery orders as the month goes along. So you just click on that, and it'll take you to the whole collection. And these are all items that, for the most part, we have on hand. We just go right into our, our warehouse room and we um, pluck it off the hanger or the box and we ship it out immediately. And 20% of that purchase will go to Blue Star Ranch. We've raised just under $200 in our first 10 days or so. And uh, Nancy has been working hard on her end, getting the word out. And um, we'll be doing an email blast to our subscribers this Saturday. And um, about every other day, I post on the Blue Star Ranch Facebook page, on the Out West Shop Facebook page, and my personal page, items from the collection that I think um, would would um, would be fun for horse lovers, um, you know, to invest in. And when you do that, you really become our hero because you are supporting the efforts of Nancy and her team. Um, it's been wonderful hearing about the work that's done. And it's just our small way of of um, of supporting the work that they do, and we're happy to do so. So, Nancy, my last I, I added up last night, which is just about two hundred dollars so far for the month. Awesome, fantastic! Thank you so much. That is great, and that's great work that you and Jim are doing to do that. So, give us the website again so people can go and rush right over and and contribute. Sure. Outwestshop.com. Outwestshop.com. So after the show's over, rush right over and pick out some goodies for yourself and maybe some gifts for some other people as well. Uh, Nancy, how else can people donate? Can they donate directly to you without having to go through some kind of fundraiser that's not in action right now? Yes, absolutely. They can donate at our website. Um, there's a donate button at the top where they can donate uh, online. And our web uh, site address is bluestarranch.org, O-R-G. And, and we have a lot of videos on there, which will show, shows you, um, you know, what we do and kind of how we do it. And you, there's uh, veterans testimonials on there from the graduates, and there's uh, videos in that that you can view. And, um, you know, to get a little one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one feedback from our veterans on to how this all works. Well, that is, that is absolutely great. And, and, and it's great that you're heading this program up and helping our servicemen and women. So go to bluestarranch.org and make a contribution today. And it will be greatly appreciated. And it will help our servicemen and women who have given so much to this country and to us. Uh, any kind of closing thoughts you want to leave us with, Nancy? Uh, just that, right, our veterans need us, and especially our veterans with PTSD 
and the families. Our goal is um, to, in helping the families also, is to knit the family back together because it's not only the, the suicide rate is very high among these families and also the divorce rate is very high. We want to prevent those divorces, keep the families together, and help them over the rough spots so that they can get back to being a family. Um, you know, there's so much going on in the family unit. Spouses want to help. They love their spouses. They love their veterans. They want to help, but they don't have a clue as to how. Uh, therefore, you know, relationships between spouses become very difficult sometimes, and, you know, it just leads to divorce because they yeah. can't communicate. So part of our, our plan for our ranch, too, is um, in the future we're going to be offering some workshops for spouses and stuff of veterans and just for the general public to come and find out about, you know, what it means to be a spouse and what it means and what to do and what not to do if you're living with someone with PTSD because so many things go on that the spouses don't understand. Like, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't understand why they do that. I don't understand why they're reacting like this, you know? And right. so we want to, we want to educate the public more too, to, you know, what is going on and why what's happening is happening and how to, you know, help them break through that barrier and start to build new happy experiences. Well, it is an important work that you're doing, and uh, and we look forward to having you come back and talk with us a little bit more about what Blue Star Ranch is doing and some of the successes that you've had as well. So, Nancy, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us a few minutes this morning. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. And, Bobby Jean, this has been great. It was just like old times. <laughs> I know. Like I say, I'm having, I'm having flashbacks. I'm having flashbacks, you know, going like, oh, that's the show. And uh, I'm so glad that you guys are, are carrying, you know, keeping everything going in the in the Western genre and uh, with the West, with the music and everything. Awesome. Just awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come back and be with us again. I sure will. All right. We're going to close out this segment of the show with a great song from uh, Doris and Mike Merritt. It's one called Watch Over Those Who Are Watching Over Me. We'll be right back with Bobby Bell. Watch over those who are watching over me. 
in October, you can visit our website at equestrianlegacy.net and just click on Rendezvous and find out everything that's going on. And you can find a way to call and make your reservations for that as well. And then next year in 2021, we're going to have two rendezvous, one back in the east and one in the west. And people are already making reservations for that and are excited. So we'll be back at Circle E again in June. And then we're going to go to Bryce Canyon and have a great time out there. And, again, we're going to be raising money for the Mustang Heritage Foundation Veterans Program. So it's also the 50th uh, anniversary, Bobby, of the Mustang and Borough Wild Horse Act. And so Uh that is going to be a lot of fun. We'll be celebrating that with BLM and, and some other folks out there as well. So anyway, good show. Good show. Yeah, I'm just making a note. Uh, you know, I keep notes while we're doing the show so I, I can remember. So 50th anniversary, that's like really cool. <laughs> so, you know, um, yes, big thing, yeah. Yesterday kind of snuck up on us. Uh, yesterday, July 15th, was the National uh, I Love Horses Day. Uh, it's always sort of fun to read the national, you know, the national days and sometimes – you know, they don't really speak to me, but lots of days, um, they're just so fun. So um, for all of our listeners there that, that love their horses, you know, um, National Day of the Cowboy is coming up. It's on uh, a week from this Saturday, July 25th. And um, so uh, here at Out West Shop on our Out West Shop Facebook page, we've been promoting um, book titles and other things um, in cel- in uh, to prepare for the celebration of National Day of the Cowboy. So <laughs> lots of that's, fun things going on. <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, next week's show, we'll be talking about that just a little bit with the Doris Daly and Doc Mel. So that should be a good show to tune into. But uh it's been a lot of fun. Enjoyed visiting again with Paula and visiting with uh, Nancy. And uh, it's about time to wrap this bad boy up for another week. What kind of closing thoughts do you have for us? I, I'm speechless. I'm without a closing thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't, don't let, uh, here it is, don't let the mask cover your smile. May your smile radiate through every pore of your body. We all need it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Will you guys be safe out there? Wear your mask, wash your hands, and social distance, and let's kind of whip this COVID virus thing that's going around that's put a a squash on so many activities out there. We're going to close out the show today with a song that kind of is a picker-upper. And it's one from our good friend, Mr. Terry Brown. It's called Blue Skies Always. Bobby will be back next week for the Campfire Cafe, Saddle Up America, starting at noon Central Standard Time at equestrianlegacy.net. And you can go back and listen to season one of the Living Room Sessions on our website. And that is at equestrianlegacy.net. We've got 11 great shows with amazing artists that have taken place in season one. So you want to be sure and check that out as well. But right now we want to remind you, as we always do, if you're climbing the saddle, get ready for the ride on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network heard around the world streaming live online at equestrianlegacy.net. 
Bobby, we'll see you next week. All righty. dreams that all come true Blue skies always It's this old cowboy's wish for all of you May the horse you ride be gentle and eager for the trail Your supper hot and plentiful and steady as the mail I wish you Blue skies always and nights of happy dreams that all Cowboys wish for all of you. Yeah, that's the cowboys.